prayer of this message. Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray in our lives that you would be glorified, Lord, that today if there's something inside of us that needs to change, that you would use the word to do it. Father, do it today in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 10, it happened after this that the king of the people of Ammon died and Hanun, his son, reigned in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanun, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the people of Ammon and the princes of the people of Ammon said to Hanun, their Lord, do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Has David not rather sent his servants to search the, to you to search the city, to spy it out and to overthrow it? Therefore, Hanun took David's servants, shaved off half their beards, cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks and sent them away. Yeah, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> When they told David, he sent, uh, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. When the people of Ammon saw that they had made themselves repulsive to David, the people of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Beth Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers, and from the king of Makkah, 1,000 men, and from Ishtob, 12,000 men. Now when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the army of the mighty men, and the people of Ammon came out and put themselves in a battle array at the entrance of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah, Beth Rehob, Ishtob, and Makkah were by themselves in the field. When Joab saw that the battle line was against him, but before and behind, he chose some of Israel's best and put them in a battle array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he put under the command of Abishai, his brother, that he might set them in a battle array against the people of Ammon. And then he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the people of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage and let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near for the battle against the Syrians and they fled before him. When the people of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fleeing, they also fled before Abishai and entered the city. So Joab returned from the people of Ammon and went to Jerusalem. When the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered together. Then Hadadezer sent and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the river, and they came to Helam. And Shobak, the commander of Hadadezer's army, went before them. When it was told David, he gathered all Israel, crossed over the Jordan, and came to Helam. And the Syrians set themselves in battle array against David and fought with him. Then the Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 horsemen of the Syrians, and struck Shobak, the commander of their army, who died there. And when all the kings who were servants to Hadezer saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians were afraid to help the people of Ammon anymore. <laughs> it's a great story. Um, remember this, and I've said this to you guys many times. You'll probably hear me say this a lot over the next few decades. The Bible is for us today. And so when the Bible puts a story in there, we have to look at it. We have to glean from it and say, how are we going to apply this to our old lives? And so let's, let's walk through this story. Let me high level it for a second here. Cause some of y'all just went boom, checked out and just on your Facebook, like, this guy going to stop talking. So here's the story. 
David, if you were here last week, he talked about how he showed kindness to Mephibosheth. And so he went and showed kindness to Mephibosheth. And so now because David just wants to show kindness, he goes and he says, you know what? These Ammonites used to be my enemies, but now I'm going to show them kindness because I'm a new man and I'm the king. So I'm going to show them kindness. So he sent some people out to the Ammonites and says, hey, let's, uh, you know, let's be friends. The Ammonite servants, not the commander or the king, they're like, you know what? I think David's here on a spy mission. I don't think he's here because he actually wants to be friends with us. So they go to their king and be like, hey man, he's trying to be a spy to you. Don't do it. King listens to his people, expects the worst from David. And so what do they do? They take David's men. They shave off half their beards. They cut off their clothes at the buttocks and then they send them away. And that's the most humiliating thing that you could do to a guy. And, and, and so David's nice enough and he goes, stay in Jericho until your beards grow back. So when you come back, you don't look like you just got taken care of. So then the, the men are like, all right, well now Ammonites, you done messed up now. So we're going to, we're going to fight. Ammonites are like, Hey, wait a minute. We didn't know you were actually going to fight us. We don't have enough guys. So they run out and they hire these guys called the Syrians. Syrians had no beef with Israel. They get sucked into the beef that Am- the Ammonites have with uh, um, Israel. And so they get hired. They bring 20,000 people to come into this fight. So there's 20,000 guys and they got the Ammonites. And so then David's like, all right, Joab, Abishai, go wreck shop, go take care of business. So then Joab and Abishai are about to go to battle and they're like with each other and they're like, listen, man, we should be able to take care of this. If, if, if they start getting, I'm going to go after the Ammonites. Joab says, if I start losing, you come help me. And Abishai's like, yeah, man, man I'll go after the Syrians. And, and if I start to lose, you come, out, you come with me. And so then they go out and they rout them, man. They take care of business. They shut them down. And so here, here's where the story takes a really interesting turn is that the Syrians who never had a problem with Israel and got sucked into the problem that the Ammonites had with Israel now have taken on this fight as their own offense. So then they come back to this fight with Israel with 40,000 men instead of the original 20,000. They get in a fight with Israel, but now David's getting involved because David's like, I think I want to teach you a lesson. So he comes in and his, and David don't lose. So then he goes in and he kills 40,000 of them and 700 charioteers and completely shuts them down. Now the end of this story and the point of this sermon is, uh, is found in the very last verse of, word, uh, of, of chapter 10. So the Syrians were afraid to help the people of Ammon anymore. <laughs> Really? All right, so you guys learned yourself a little bit of a lesson. You know, one time when I was in junior high, my older brother skipped school for eight days before the school called my mother. Turns out that every day my mother was dropping my brother off to go to school with somebody and they weren't going to school. So after eight days of skipping school, my mom found out. She said, you know what? My son is no longer going to hang out with that boy anymore. It was a hard, hard decision to make. Why? Because she realized that who you hang out with influences who you are. There are some people that you should not help or associate with. And I know that for some of you, this is probably going to be a surprising sermon because of what you've been taught or what you've thought. But we're going to actually use the Bible this morning to see what the Bible says about the situation. We're not just going to make stuff up as we go along. Verse 19, so the Syrians were afraid to help the people of Ammon anymore. Why were they afraid to help the people of Ammon anymore? I think it was because they realized it was a fool's errand to go and spend time with the Ammonites and get involved in a fight that wasn't their fight. 
They had no hope of success. They got sucked into a battle that wasn't theirs. They lost people. They lost chariots. They lost commanders. What, what brought them to this point, though? What, what brought the Syrians into this, into this story? They got involved in someone else's business. The beginning of this story is that David wanted to continue to show kindness. So he seeks out, no good deed goes unpunished. Uh, So he seeks out the Ammonites to bless their king. And some of these mid-level guys assume that it's a spy game. Why? Because they used to be enemies. And so now the Ammonites have evil in their hearts towards Israel. People that have evil in their hearts assume evil from other people. Because they assume if I have evil towards you, you have evil towards me. So they couldn't even comprehend that David was actually coming in kindness. Because David had been enemies with the Ammonites, and even though the Ammonites had helped him and he wanted to come back and make it right and show kindness to him, they assumed the worst. So what do they do? They humiliate the Israelites. They cut them off the buttocks. They shave half their beards. They send them back. When you Shaving off a man's beard during Bible times is about the uh, rudest, most despicable thing that you could do to them. And all the bearded men said, yeah. <laughs> It was shameful because slaves were clean shaven. Uh, men of stature had beards. So when you send them back, I mean, even half, half shaven, that's a, that's a bad thing. And here's where the story gets interesting. The Ammonites are about to get it from David. So they hire the Syrians to get involved. Do not miss this point of the story. The Syrians got involved because someone else pulled them into their business. Yeah. Syrians are just out there doing what they're doing. Ammonites need some help and recruit them and pay them. They are mercenaries to the cause only. They have no skin in the game. My father was a Seattle police officer and he told me as a kid, he said, never get involved in a fight that you come upon ever, no matter who's in this fight, because chances are they know each other, they're fighting and they will turn on you. That's what my dad said. Do not meddle in somebody else's fight, man. You don't know what they're fighting about. It's a bad plan. The Bible says in, 20, uh, in Proverbs 20, verse 3, in the second half, that any fool can start a quarrel. Anybody can do that. I, I could literally start a fight with one of you right now in the middle of this sermon. I guarantee you, within 60 seconds, I could either bring you to blows or get you to leave. <laughs> You're like, uh... Not because I'm nefarious, because humans, anybody can start a fight. It doesn't, it doesn't take some smart person to start a fight. It's, it just doesn't. But the Bible is clear. Strife is bad. Fights are bad. Division is bad. God doesn't like it. Had the Syrians taken a moment to clarify the intent and motives of Israel, if you heard Pastor Jay's sermon from Wednesday night, it was a great sermon about motives. They assumed the worst motives from Israel instead of asking what their motives were so that they could respond to them correctly. Instead, they assumed their motives and it sucked them into their problems. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 20 through 21. Here's what it says in Proverbs, verse 20. All right. Where there is no... Where, where there's no wood, the fire goes out. Where there's no tail bearers, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. When you add wood to a fire, the fire continues. When you continue in a quarrel, the quarrel continues. You take the wood out, the fire goes out. You take the contention and the strife out, and the fight goes out. When you don't add to the fight, you don't get involved in the fight, it ceases to be a fight. Now, I know I look rough and tough and look like I've been around the block, but I've only actually been in a fist fight with a few people in my life. My brother and Pastor Jay. Um, And... uh, (laughs) 
I remember back, we were probably at, we were probably in junior high, and we were at the kiosk at Northwest at Northgate Mall, and they had a, a Nintendo kiosk, and we were playing with that thing, and we started fighting over the controller, and I don't remember exa- I don't remember all the details of the fight. What I do remember this is that Jay took the controller from me, and I kicked him in, I kicked him like that, and Jay got this look on his face like, oh, we're about to fight. <laughs> And so I did what any kid would do. I ran, man. I ran. I was like, man, I awakened the dragon. Like, I'm out of here. By the time we got outside of the mall, it kind of stopped. I don't, nothing happened. Well, I, I probably could have took him if I stayed, but I ran. <laughs> Takes two people to fight. Yeah. You know, my grandpa, uh, my grandpa said to me one time, I asked him, Grandpa, how, did you ever get in a fight with my grandma? My grandma's passed away. My grandpa's still alive. And he said, I never had any fights with your grandma ever. I said, how'd you get through marriage without ever getting in a fight? He said, because I never fought with her. Because even if I fought with her and I won, what do I really win? At what expense? How, what, what good is that? So when some people say, well, you know, you've got your needs and you've got your demands. If one person ain't fighting, it ain't a fight. It takes two people to fight. What does it mean to you? Stay out of other people's business. It's none of your business. It has nothing to do with you. It is amazing what other people make their business. And I don't know who these people are, how they've got so much time on their hands to be concerned with other people's business. My life is complicated enough. I do not have time to worry about where you are and what you're doing and who you're with. I don't have time to follow you around. It's enough for me to figure out what I'm trying to do with my own life. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4.11 that you should aspire to lead a quiet quiet life. This is scripture, okay? And some of you you are like, man, I got to be so mean. I'm reading scripture emphatically. (laughs) To mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Listen to me, church. You are not in a reality show. You are not in a detective show. You are not in a sleuth show. People think because the news is such like, oh, we found this, we figured it out. Like you think you're like, oh man, we're going to figure it out. There's a nefarious plan and blah, blah, blah. That's not real life, man. And it's not biblical at all. Let somebody follow you around all day. Get in your checkbook. Look up your past. Find out who hates you. Talk to people from junior high and high school about the kind of... Let's talk to your old, you know, girlfriends and boyfriends and see what kind of things you did. Any volunteers? 1 Peter 4.15. This is a great verse. I love it. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, and as an evildoer. Watch this. Scripture. Or as a busybody in other people's matters. Keep that one up there because I want it to burn into your retinas. <laughs> Busy body in other people's matters is equated the same as a murderer, yeah. a thief, an evildoer. Oh, and what happens is that people say, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And, you know, an internet and Facebook and blah, blah, blah. I can get involved in other people's life. As a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, as a busybody in other people's matters. This is scripture, it's in the Bible. You know, my father, in addition to being a Seattle police officer, my father, my father's a world record uh, holder in weightlifting. 
And he's always been this just like enormous man. And when I say enormous and muscly, like he's like in his prime, he's like 6'2", 275, 21 inch arms, benching, you know, 450 pounds. Like, 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 I mean, my dad bench pressed 400 pounds on his 50th birthday. Like, I I couldn't appreciate that until I was 45. Like, it's... and, uh, you know, he was a lot of things. He was pro wrestler and semi-pro football player and all this stuff. And, and so when my mom and dad were married back in the 70s, that my, there was this great story where my mom was working somewhere that was, it was a unionized area. And um, they were on strike. My mom was working there as it's like an administrative role. And so she had to uh, uh, cross the picket line to go to her job because she wasn't unionized, right? So then all these union thugs are like, scab, and kind of roughed up my mom a little bit and made her cry. And my mom got on the phone and called my dad. And uh, my dad was at his gym in Ballard. And this was, you know, in Magnolia. My dad just ah, made his way over there. And uh, so my mom meets him outside. My mom goes, that guy, like that. <laughs> and, and so my, my, my dad took the guy and rawr, roughed him up and threw him in the bushes and all this other stuff. And so, uh, you know, that guy gets roughed up. He does what anybody else is do. He calls the union president. He's like, man, this guy came down and he roughed up a bunch of us. And we need to go down to the union hall and get all these guys. We're going to go and we're going to take care of this guy. And the union president's like, yeah, let's get him. Let's go do it. He's like, what do you know about him? Well, he owns a gym in Ballard. And I heard his name's JP or something like that. And the guy's like, listen, man, I know JP. You are going to die graveyard dead. <laughs> If you go down there and mess with that, you never should have touched his wife. Quit acting like that. Bye. Click. Hang up the phone. Do not get involved in other people's problems, man. The Bible puts murder in the same verse as busybody. And you all know one, but no one thinks they are one. Everyone knows one. No one thinks they are one. We want to know everything about everyone, but keep our life private. First Timothy 5.13, besides, they learn, learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies saying things which they ought not. The Bible is clear. It is sin. Pure and simple. Meddling in other people's lives and problems is sin. And when we do that, we, we, we ache the heart of God. He doesn't approve of it. And when we do it, we tell these Christian lies like, oh, I just got to know it so I can, I can pray about it. How can I pray unless I don't know every last sore detail? And I, because I want to pray, I must share it with other people so they can pray as well. John 21, 22, Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain until I come, what's that to you? You follow me. And I don't have time to go into that whole scripture, but the, 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 the gist of that scripture with Jesus is you worry about your relationship with me. I'm dealing with them in their own way. You and I have a relationship and we'll deal with our relationship in our own way. Because here, here's what happened. The, the Syrians came in and they took on someone else's offense. They, they had no beef. They, they, they had no, like the Syrians were just, I don't know, doing what they were doing. The Ammonites sucked them in. The, the Syrians, it's almost like I'm over here doing my house chores, but I got on Facebook and got sucked into an argument about something I didn't care about until everybody else started arguing and I wanted to get in on the action. 
Has anybody ever seen that before? I have no opinion about what everybody's arguing about, but since everybody else is arguing about, all of a sudden, I care about the manatees. Like, how dare they? Honey, find a scripture about the manatees. I'm about to get these people. Proverbs 1.10. Man, this is so good. Some of y'all are going to get saved today. I can feel it. Touch the person next to you and say, man, this is for you. Now say, man, I was lying. This is for me. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. It says, my son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, meaning hell, and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let, Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. That means they're going to get what they were seeking out to do. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. The Syrians were hired by the Ammonites. Joab and Abishai beat them in battle, but it doesn't end. They, they, they come back with 40,000 soldiers to fight with Israel. And, and, and they don't come back with 20,000 more they, just thinking that they're going to win. They, they, I mean, think they're going to lose. They, they, they lose to David. And now David's getting involved. Folks, the, the principles of God have been like this for thousands of years. And for some reason, we think that it doesn't apply to today. After first service, somebody came up to me and said, this immediately applies to what's happening at my work right now. Because someone, someone at their work has a problem with the employer and is trying to suck them into the problem with an employer where they have no problem with the employer, but this other person wants to bring them to their side. And, she, and this person said, man, I know if I get sucked in with them, I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. But I have no problem with my employer. This person has a problem with my employer. Exodus 23 verse 2, you shall not follow a crowd to do evil. Nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. Don't get involved with the crowd that's doing evil. And furthermore, don't get involved with the crowd that doesn't even know what they're doing and then turn other people to the crowd. The Bible makes it clear there's people who have offenses that are not yours. And I, and, and I, I was a psychology major in college, and it's interesting, true as anything. I, I saw this video in this social psychology class where they filmed these people that had signs that were blank. There was nothing on the sign, okay? Picket sign, nothing on the sign. And they were walking around, there's like a dozen people outside protesting uh, outside of this building with signs that were blank. And they filmed watching as people would come by. They, they would say, join us in our protest. Join us. And people were like, well, what? He's like, just grab the sign. You don't know what they did, but let's go. And they recruited dozens of people to just like walk around and hold these <laughs> blank signs. 
as they were protesting. And then they had a fake news crew that interviewed them and said, what are you protesting for? Man, you wouldn't believe what these people did. We got to change this place. And then they just kept walking around with their blank signs. You know, men in black, I remember he said, a person is smart, but people are stupid. Gosh, the crowd is just like, like they just can't figure it out. There are people that are bent on destruction that want to recruit others to their cause as casualties. Some people never move past elementary school. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 13, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and shame to him. Because that, that's what happens when you get sucked into somebody else's problems. You take on somebody else's offenses. You, you can't, people like assume because somebody else is offended. They go, oh man, that person must have pure motives. But they don't know those person's <laughs> motives at all. Do you get sucked into other people's offenses? When someone is mad at someone, do you find yourself joining in with them without even knowing anything about the person they're mad about? It's, it's human nature, man. Like, and, and I wish that I was immune to it. You know, this... This week, um, my, my daughter attends college, um, and this week, uh, she, got, she got an email that said, class is canceled today, so she didn't go to class. And she found out class wasn't canceled. There was an IT problem, and a message got sent out that wasn't true. And so she messaged the teacher and said, hey, I got a message. Uh, you know, I thought class was canceled. Um, I got a message, and the teacher's like, no, you should have figured it out. You should have came to class anyway. I'm not... Uh, I award you no points. May God have mercy on your soul. And, um, and so Faith was like, what? So she, she screenshotted the message and then uh, uh, sent it back to the professor, right? And, and, and me and Crystal are sitting there in the living room like, man, who does this professor think that they are, man? Like, we saw the message. We know what it's about. Like, this is wrong, man. Crystal's like, honey, you need to go up to that school. I'm like, I'm getting dressed. I'm going up to that school. <laughs> Telling my daughter, like, I got the screenshot. Get the pitchfork. I got the torch. Let's go. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what the class is. I don't know about this tea, like something small. And I like, we literally were ready to go. Like, this is it. This is the last stand because Faith didn't get five points because she missed a class. <laughs> Anybody else been following that sometime? <laughs> Faith's like, Dad, she just emailed me back. It's fine. I'm getting the point. Well, she lucky. She lucky. <laughs> Lucky I didn't go up there. You got to protect yourself, man. You can get sucked into things without even realizing it. Because a lot of times we're just kind of like floating through the world and don't really know what's going on. And then it's like all of a sudden we turn around like, man, how did I get sucked into this thing that I never even cared about? And now I'm in the middle of it. And that's not where God wanted me to be in the first place at all. (sighs) Sure. 2 Peter 3, 16. As also in all of his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destructions, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. People, people not only will they pull you into their problems, they'll pull you into, your do, into their doctrines, they'll pull you into just nonsense at all. Here's, here's the, the end of this. When I say the end, it means I just finished the intro and we're about to get into the thick of what this sermon is. 
Syrians get hired, pulled into somebody else's business. Bad. Syrians get, take on the offense, bring their own people back to get into the fight, get destroyed, even worse. The end of this scripture is, and the, <laughs> the Syrians didn't want to help the Ammonites anymore. How, how, how could they keep themselves from getting into this fight in the first place? They, they never should have made friends with people who like to go to war. See, people that love to, like, if, if there's people that love to fight, eventually they're going to suck you into their fight. If, if people love to fight, you're going to be, and, and Crystal and I have been in this before where, you know, you're out at a restaurant with somebody who just argues with everybody who breathes, and you're just like, oh my gosh, how do we go out with these people? Now they're arguing with the server. Like, it's the most uncomfortable thing to be with. Anyway, so you just don't hang out with people that are those types of people. Good job, Syrians. You learned your lesson. You go hang out with people that go to war, and you're going to get it. And, I, and again, as we get into the thick of this sermon, stay until the end of it, okay? We live in a time where people can't manage the basics of their own life and want to get involved with people who have huge problems thinking they can be their savior. And, and it's, it's, a, it's an ethos that people talk about within Christendom where oftentimes, and, and they hide it under this guise of like, oh, I want to love this person and Jesus hung out with sinners and, and I want to love them and I want to help them. But, but, and, and, and God will call you to things and, and there's th- people that you should help. But what I've noticed that a lot of times people actually aren't called to something. They actually have a wicked heart where they yeah. really want to help someone just so that they can look good in themselves is that I helped this person uh, that, that was, you know, destructive. And so as Christians, we have to be very uh, uh, discerning and very careful the types of people that God sends us to go and help. Because there are people that can help certain types of people, but there are some people that should have nothing to do with those type of people. Right? Um, I'm, I'm not going to go and do outreach at Cowgirls Espresso. Okay? I'm just not going to do it. Right? If you don't know that coffee stand over there, it's where women go and they don't wear a lot of stuff and they serve coffee. I'm not going there every Sunday morning like, hey, I'm just here as a pastor, share the gospel. There's no business for me over there at all. Like it, it doesn't make sense. And, and none of you would be like, you know what, I'm glad my pastor's going over there before he preaches on Sunday. Taking one for the team. No. It makes no sense. And there's, and, and in your world, there's some people that literally you should have nothing to do with. There, there's nothing good for you there. I, I like what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15, 17. I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand, for you have filled me with indignation. His heart was such as like, you know what, man? I'm not going to have anything to do with those people. They're a bunch of mockers. I'd rather sit alone than to go and sit with those people. The Bible is clear in the Old Testament and the New Testament that there are people you should just avoid. Amen. And, and, and some people would say, well, they, they need love and grace, and they do, but they also don't need you coming around and approving of their sin and celebrating the sin that they're in. Amen. You say, well, that's not very loving. When your 13-year-old comes home and is hanging out with an addict, do you say, well, just stay friends with them. Like, just try to do your best to lead them to Christ. Go where they go and do what they do and be who they're with. No, no right-minded parent would do that. No spouse would send another person out with an adulterer and say, oh, just go to the club with them and, and be a friend to them. Every Friday and Saturday night, just be with them. But the Bible says not to hang out with a busybody or someone that's going to gossip or slander and be like, well, you know, they need love and grace just like everybody else. 
Do not hang out with emotionally destructive people thinking that it's okay. Now I'm going to throw a bunch of scriptures at you and I put all my scriptures online because I don't want you to think that these are my own ideas. Proverbs twenty two twenty four: Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, do not go. Proverbs 4, 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Proverbs 20, 19. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Jesus, loving Jesus, the Savior of the universe, told his disciples, he said, you know what, man? If you go in and you preach this gospel and they don't want nothing to do with it, you know what? Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony to them and be like, poo, I'm out. I want nothing to do with you people. If you don't want to hear the gospel, I am not your guy. That's in Matthew 10, 14, Mark 6, 11, Luke 10. What does it mean to you? Set relational limits with whom you will associate based on biblical principles. And some people will say, oh, Pastor Matt, you're lacking love and grace. Man, I love people. Man, I love them so much. But I also love God's word. You know, Jesus said, man shall live by the word of God. That's what he said. Not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father. And God, is, as my father, he says, you know what, son? There's some people that I need you to let me deal with that you can just kind of stay away from because I got some stuff I'm working out in them. First Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. This is biblical. People will describe you as unloving, uncaring, with no grace. But repeatedly throughout scripture, it demands that there are actually people that you should avoid. Psalm 26, 4 and 5, David, I have not sat with idolatrous idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. That's what he said. Now, I I don't want to get into too much of the details, but I'll I'll share with you guys some of the parts of my my life, my past. I got got saved when I was 15 years old. I gave my life to Jesus, and and I, I, I got all the way through... High school and college, I never drank alcohol. I've never smoked marijuana. Um, Crystal's the only woman I've ever been with. Uh, if you guys can read through the lines, you know, I know there's kids in the room. And, and it's like, so I, I, I set that as a decision when I was a young man. Like, that was who I was going to be because I knew that God had called me to this. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I was like, I got to honor God with my life. So I didn't have anything to do with that. I never went to parties. I, like, I, I didn't do any of that. Um, and, and maybe it's a boring testimony, but God kept me. And then I, and then I joined the U.S. Army, and it's different than the high school youth group in the U.S. Army. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, down at Fort Sam Houston, and, you know, they didn't really go to church much, all these Army buddies, and, and it didn't take very long when all of a sudden I started acquiescing to the group. Um, and I started doing what the group did and going where the group went and taking part in what the group took part in. And, and like I said, I never drank any alcohol until then. Uh, and then things kind of went a different way. And, 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 and all that to say, like, a guy that kept himself for a lot of years can be around a wrong group of people. And that group can start to pull you in another direction because that's who they are. And, and I remember so clearly 
uh, and I just, I, I'm a guy that remembers dates. Uh, January 11th, uh, 1998, it was, uh, it was a Sunday. Uh, it was my mom's birthday, and I was walking out of a hotel room after spending the evening in a way in which I ought not have spent with people whom I should not have spent it with. And I remember I was walking back to the barracks, and, and God was like, son, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Because I was smart enough to notice the trajectory, right? Like you stand by the pool, you put your foot in the pool, pretty soon you're just swimming. Yeah. And, 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 and the next thing you know, there's some things that you can't come back from. And, and God was like, listen, man, you're on a path of destruction. And if you don't stop the trajectory that I'm trying to take you on your life, you are going to end up in a different place. And God is my witness on that day. I was like, you know what? That's it, man. I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm not taking part in that. I'm not hanging out with those people. I'm never spending the night in a hotel. And I'm not doing that anymore. And then on January 12th, 1998, I met Crystal, uh, which, was, which was very interesting. Um, I, I, rem- I remember the last day I was in a club. It was New Year's Eve, 1997. Because I never went to a club ever again after I met Crystal. I never took part in those things ever again. And in our lives, even before we were pastors, we were just merely church attenders. There was people that we said, we're not going to spend time with those people because of who they are. In the church, it's a mixed bag because in the church, the broken come in and, and we've got to love on those people. Everybody's at a different stage of, uh, of their Christian development. And I, I'm not trying to create an environment where we're on a witch hunt. Quite, quite, the, quite the difference. If you weren't a busybody in other people's matters, you could just love people for who they are. And you're not like trying to figure out who they are before you figure out whether they're not going to love them or not. You just love them. Amen. But you got to watch yourselves, man. There's wolves among the sheep. It's interesting, the New Testament, most of the people that Paul tells us to avoid are people in the church. (laughs) Romans 16, 17, avoid divisive people. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. 1 Corinthians 5, 14 through 11, I'm going to show you this one and uh, we're almost done here. Are you guys getting something out of this? That's good. Some of y'all are like... Man, it's been nice knowing you. All right. First uh, Corinthians chapter 5. Actually, you know what? We're going to start in verse 9. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of the world or the covetous or the extortioners or the idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. So Paul says, you know what? If, you, if you're going to distance yourself from everybody that's doing bad, you'd never talk to anybody. But now I've written to you to not keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a viler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not to even eat with such a person. That's what Paul says. Outside the church, they don't know any better. We got to love on those people. Inside the church, and, and, and someone who's sexually immoral, that's anybody who's having relations with somebody who's not their spouse. Don't even eat with such a person, man. Covetous, that means somebody who wants things that aren't theirs, that, that they desire more of material possessions. An idolater, that's somebody who worships something other than God. Don't, don't even eat with such a, porso- a person. You know, reviler, I don't know if you know the definition of a reviler. To revile is to criticize in an abusive or hostile way or to spread negative information about. 
When you verbally attack someone and call him names and say mean things aloud, you are a reviler. Everybody knows what a drunkard is. An extortioner, that's somebody that threatens to release information about another person. That's what an extortioner does. Man, you don't know what I know. Wait, wait until I tell you what I, what I know about this person. Don't even eat with that person. Have nothing to do with them. Bible's very clear. Many places, 2 Timothy 3, 5, and from such people turn away. 2 Thessalonians 3, 14, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Also, Psalm 1, Proverbs 13, 20, Proverbs 1, 15. You will have a much easier Christian existence if you do not get sucked into other people's business, you do not take on other people's offenses, and you do not hang out with people that are bent on war. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, we would like to invite you to become one. And I I understand that this, you know, God can use any sermon. And and some of you might be listening to this sermon today and just realize that you're far from God and that you need a Savior. And the only thing you need to understand is that there's only one pathway to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. You have to turn from your sin, turn towards God, and live for Him. And I've I've been pastoring long enough that usually what's happening is that there's people that are here that you know what it means to be saved. You know what it means to be a Christian. You've been fighting God. You've been fighting Him for a long time, and, and, and you've been waiting for that moment. You say, man, I don't have the strength. I don't think I can do this on my own. God just asks you to, to come to Jesus and he will give you the strength to sustain the Christian life. It's, it's not on your strength, it's through his strength and through his power. You don't have what it takes, but he does. And if you've never made that decision before, if you've never said, man, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow Jesus, I want to be forgiven of my sins, I want new life. And if you've never made that decision before and you'd like to do that for the first time, we'd like to pray with you. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the first time? You can raise your hand so we can pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. And maybe you've been far from God. Maybe, maybe you used to walk with Jesus and you've just been away from him and you've been waiting for that moment. Man, I need to, I need to come back to Jesus. I don't know how I was so far away. I don't know how I lost my way, but I just want to come back to the Father Friend, he loved you when you were his enemy. How much more so now that he calls you son and daughter? If you need to come back to Jesus, you want to rededicate your life, we'd like to pray with you as well. Is there anybody that needs to do that today? You can raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand. Thank you, Father. Is there anybody else? Not our church. Our tradition is we ask you if you want to have someone pray with you, you can walk forward and someone will pray with you about this new decision and dedication that you're doing there's something powerful when you walk up in a room full of Christians and say man I I want to be counted amongst those that are in the fight so if you'd like to come up to have someone pray with you you can walk forward right now and someone will pray with you thank you Jesus Father let us live lives that are pleasing to you let's never forget whose we are and who we are in you Let our lives be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up. If you are a male in the room and you have not signed up for the men's advance, 
you need to take the little excuse or valid reason or whatever's going on in your brain and sign up. You don't want to miss what God is preparing to do for the men of our church there. So get on the app, get signed up, and let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for the word that went forth. We pray that we would um, go over those scriptures and uh, begin applying them to our lives, Lord. We love you so much, and we just thank you for today. Amen. Get your kids.